A Sermon of M. John Calvin upon the Epistle of St. Paul, to Titus translated out of French into English, by L.T. At London imprinted for G. Bishop and T. Woodcook 1, 5, 7, 9. The Eleventh Sermon upon the Two. Chapter. 3. Likewise that the elder women be in holy and comely apparel, no evil speakers, not given too much wine, teaching the things that are good for. To the end, that they instruct the younger women, in wisdom, to love their husbands, to love their children. 5. To be discreet, chaste, tarriers at home, good, subject to their husbands, to the end, that God's word be not evil spoken of. We saw this morning, how St. Paul commanded the elder women, to apparel or attire themselves honestly with all holiness, so as there might be no pride nor preciseness in it, but that their behavior might be able to edify, and to give good example to all the world. After he hath said so, now he addeth immediately, that they should be no evil speakers. For I have told you already, how St. Paul had a care, to correct the vices wherein to both men and women are inclined, and to warn every man in his vocation, to take heed to himself, as we know that a physician should do, who ought to know the complexion of the diseased party, if he mind to heal him, and to warn him of the things, that are for his behoof. Now let us see, if it were not expedient in these days, to counsel widows and elderly women to bridle their tongues. We know they be given too much prattling, and would God it were so as men might conceal it. But for as much as the disease hath so full scope, therefore St. Paul said expressly, that all women and specially such as are already aged, and ought to have more discretion than others, should beware that they be not talkative nor misspeakers. For we know, and experience teaches it, that evil tongues are as firebrands, to kindle fire everywhere and specially a woman shall do most harm, because she may have most familiar access. Seeing then that it was the Holy Ghost's intent here, to apply this doctrine in such wise, as he knew it might do good let women look to it that they refrain themselves, and chiefly that they abstain from evil speaking. For it were a resisting of God's spirit, if they should take liberty to speak, and specially to use any whispering and backbiting, so as any trouble should be kindled by their malice. There is moreover that they should not be given to wine. For it is too foul a shame for a woman to be a drunkard. True it is, that if men be stained with any such vice, they deserve well to be abhorred for what else is drunkenness, but even the very beastliness, that defaces all reason and understanding in them, that are created after the image of God. For we know there is no more honesty nor wit in the drunken man, than in a beep or in a horse nay truel he is much worse. For the beasts keep still their kind, but a man is utterly disfigured, and becomes a very monster. And therefore drunkenness is a shameful and detestable thing, as well in men, as in women, but what a thing is it for a woman to be a drunkard? And yet nevertheless it is too common a mischief still, as is seen too much. So much the more therefore had this lesson need to be marked. For if the heathen knew it was an intolerable thing, that women should be given to wine, and forbade it them as a thing against their kind, what shall we do which have God's word, to guide us and to give us light? Ought not we to have much more sobriety than those blind wretches, who nevertheless perceived full well, that if women were inclined to drunkenness, all must needs be out of order with them, so as they should have neither shame nor modesty at all in them. Thus much concerning the second point. Now St. Paul added, that they should be still mistresses of goodness, 
as if he should say, that women are willing and desirous to be heard. And in very deed, ye shall see some women more desirous to be heard, and to be had in reputation, than men be. But because they perceive that the superiority is given unto men, they hold themselves within their bounds. Nevertheless although for, as much as they cannot attain to that, yet there is divers times more ambition and loftiness in them, than is in men. I say not that this is to be found throughout in all women, for that were great pity but if you look narrowly into them, ye shall see there be women, which are much higher stomached than men, and more eager of sovereignty and superiority, and more desirous to be counted wise, and to have their sayings praised, and to be admitted to counsel to debate of matters and to give their advice, than men be. That is an evil vice. But St. Paul sendeth them to the contrary virtue which is, that they should apply themselves to the teaching of good things. Now then, whereas women covet so to advance themselves, let them have a care, when they come among young folk, to sing them a lesson of exhortation to well-doing. That saith St. Paul is the true sovereignty wherewith women ought to content themselves. He meaneth not to feed their fond high stomachness and foolish desire, of vaunting themselves but it is all one, as if he should say, Behold, ye desire to have fame and reputation but all such gear must be beaten down. Nevertheless, if the Lord have given you the grace, to know more than the younger sword, by reason of the time, that you have lived employ yourselves in showing the way of salvation to, such as be not yet so well trained as you be, and let them learn by your example. And he saith expressly, to the end, that they may draw the younger sword to statedness. It is not to make them babblers, or praters, nor to make them wily and subtle, nor to teach them to set their countenances I wot not how, or to dally, or to scoff at one and to give another quip. For the common lessons, that are taught young women nowadays, is to be cunning in answering all comers, and to be of as bold behavior, as if a spear were to be put in their hand, and they to be sent into the lists. That is the behavior of the world nowadays. But contrarywise St. Paul will have young women to learn modesty. Behold said he all the wisdom, that you should learn is this namely, to keep silence, to beware that there be no colouring, to disguise yourselves one way or other, and that ye be not subtle or skillful to hold talk but that ye walk simply, and behave yourselves in such wise, as men may perceive that ye have not been at a school of craft and naughtiness. And here we see what the wisdom of the faithful wives and their daughters is. It is not to be courtier-like and crafty, so as men may wonder to see them so ready to argue and prattle, to have their speech filed, and to be fine and minion, and I wot not what else, but to have skill to live soberly, to govern their household quietly, to bring up their children orderly, and to be subject to their husbands obediently. Those are the women, that shall be counted wise before God, the Holy Ghost hath pronounced the sentence, O for them that covet to be had in admiration of the world, so as it may be said of them, Yonder same is a very wise woman, and yet in the mean, while there shall be nothing in her but a fair show, there shall be nothing in her but vanity lest such I say go seek their reward elsewhere for the Holy Ghost condemned them, in telling us that no doctrine is meet. For women, but such as traineth them to soberness, silence, and quietness, that the world may not speak of them for any naughtiness. Now St. Paul goes still forward with the virtues, that ought to be in women already stricken in years that is to wit, that they should love their husbands and their children, that they should be tarriers at home, and that they should be quiet with their husbands. 
when he saith that they should love their husbands, and their children it should seem that he speaketh here of a thing, that agrees not with the doctrine of God. For do not women love their husbands? Yes but we must mark that St. Paul speaks of a love, that is ruled by God and his word. For although it be a commendable thing that women should love their husbands, and husbands their wives yet notwithstanding, therein we may perceive the corruption of our nature, as much as in any other thing. For if men love their wives, it is with a foolish and excessive love, without any rule or modesty. And if the wives love their husbands, it shall be with an immeasurable affection, and oftentimes jealousy mingles itself therewith. But in the mean season, that there should be such reverence, as that the women should live in good love and liking with their husbands, that is a rare thing. Yea and that although there be some vice in them, yet they can find in their hearts to bear with it, in respect of the holy and inviolable bend, whereby God hath joined them together, by reason whereof each of them is bound to discharge themselves faithfully of their duties towards other, that there should be such regard, is far off saith from them, or at least wise it is a thing very seldom seen, as I said afore. Therefore let us mark that St. Paul meant not to exhort women here, to love their husbands I cannot tell how, after the manner of the world, and after the manner of the flesh but to show that there ought, to be a certain holy affection, so as the wives should submit themselves simply to their husbands. For if a woman despise her husband, where is her love? Page 1158a, 8 Even among mean couples, where there is no superiority, True love must nevertheless carry with it a reverence and fear. I cannot love a man, except I bear a reverence towards him. What shall a woman then do, whom God hath put in subjection to her husband? For men see that many wives, which are fond of their husbands, do nevertheless disobey them in all matters, so as they blear out their tongues at them, and their husbands are no more obeyed in their own houses, than the furthest stranger whom they know not. Again, divers times they fall out into such rages as is a pity to see, and their husbands can get no service at their hands. For they run getting from place to place, and leave their children and household alone. Whereas they should tarry at home with their husbands in good unity, they wander and scoat or lope abroad I cannot tell whither. We see then how it is not without cause, that St. Paul speaks in this wise of the love of wives towards their husbands and afterward he added immediately their children. For would women set their minds and affections earnestly that way, surely it would withhold them from many vices. What is the cause that women cannot keep themselves quiet in their own houses? That they cannot give themselves to goodness. But are full of vanity, and run getting here and there, and are so light to receive, whatsoever is put to them? What is the cause thereof, but that they regard not wary unto God called them? neither consider that when he did put them into marriage, it was as you would say an appointing of them to a kind of covert, a purpose, that they should keep themselves there and again that when they had children, they should have a care to bring them up and to keep them, and to teach them the fear of God, when they come to age. If women could think upon these things surely there would be seen another manner of agreement in many households, then there is. And therefore let us not suppose that St. Paul speak here of a needless matter when he willed women to love their husbands, and children. Furthermore, upon this he sets down a virtue that is linked, and as ye would say inseparable from it, that is to wit, that they should be sober, and consequently also, chaste. For he had said afore, that they should not be given to wine, whereby he condemned, 
drunkenness and excess. But here he requires yet more that is to wit, that wives should have a stay of themselves, so as they might be sober all their life long. This therefore is not meant all only of wine or of eating but of the staidness, which is also called sobriety, when women give not heed to their foolish and lewd lusts. And he said as much heretofore, when he spoke of men and he will repeat it again hereafter when he speaks of young folk. But the chief virtue, which he requires in women, is chastity. Notwithstanding, that word extended very far for it signifies all manner of cleanness. And in good sooth, it is not enough for a woman, that she give not her body over unto lechery but she must also be pure and honest. For if she paint and prick up herself, and draw a train of men after her, although she commit no whoredom at all, yet hath she a sufficient stain wherewith to defame her. Wherefore let us mark well, that St. Paul will have women, not only to be chaste in keeping their faith and loyalty, which they have plighted to their husbands but also, to maintain themselves in soberness, and to live so honestly, that they may show in all points of their life, and in all their words and countenances, that they be chaste and modest. Were it so, we should have great cause to praise God. And how greatly were it for our behoof that, such as want themselves to be Christian women, lead so orderly a life, as St. Paul shows that they ought to do. So much the more than have we reason to be sorry, considering the vices and corruptions that are in us. Wherefore let wives have a care, to profit better in the gospel than they have done and let those two, whom God hath given the grace, to put his doctrine in use, labor to draw others thereunto, that they may be good mistresses and let the younger sort endeavor, to profit the better by their example. That is it which we have to bear in mind. Now he added that they should also be tarriers at home, that they should be gentle and subject to their husbands. Whereas he saith that they should be tarriers at home it appeareth to be a virtue, that women ought to like well enough of, without any exhorting of them thereunto. For nature shows it and even the heathen men could well tell the same, insomuch that they made a great lesson of it in painting, as a man would do of the shepherd's calendar, likening a wife to a tortoise or snail, which carries his shell always with him on his back even so, wives, ought not to desire to be gadding abroad. For why? If they be disposed to occupy themselves, as God commands them surely they shall always find enough to keep them occupied. For though they have never so small a house, to look unto yet shall they find business enough, so they be not willing to be idle. If they have a great household, then must they take the greater pains, if they mind to do their duty as they should do. Page 1160a, 8 But it is a pity, that this point is so ill observed nowadays. For vain glory, and curiosity, and I wot not, what a sort of vain bibble babbles drive women out of their houses, and make them to rove here and there, and yet notwithstanding the world sees how a thousand inconveniences spring of such unquietness. We have seen heretofore, that when St. Paul spoke of women, he told them that if they were idle, they would be busy bodies, and therewithal give themselves to prattling, and to inquire of this and that, to report it again. Item 5.13 And thereby he showed, that if women did not set their hand to the distaff as we say, idleness would provoke them to be busy bodies, so as they must be meddling in every matter, and therewithal have their ears open to hearken after all things and their tongues loose, to talk of them again. For such women are like a ton full of holes and when they have much wind within them, they must needs have a vent. 
so that for every word which they know, they must speak for, what will they do then, when they have gotten up all the news of a whole city? Is it possible for them to refrain themselves from cackling? No, they should burst then. And again when they fall once to babbling after that fashion, there is no hope with them. Therefore ought they to take the better heed of this doctrine. For as I have said already ye shall find that one such babbler shall kindle infinite fires, and debates, which will cause a number of heart burnings and rancors at home in men's houses, and afterward the same spreads abroad to the neighbors, insomuch that it breeds great store of troubles and variances, which draw an ungracious tale after them. Since it is so, let a woman believe she hath profited in the gospel, when she can occupy herself quietly at home in her own house, and can keep herself at home diligently. Yet doth this not serve to exempt women from helping their neighbors, and such as have need of their succor. For if a woman say, I have enough to do at home, I have not to meddle with other folks, where is the charity become which we should have towards our neighbors? But when St. Paul saith, the women must be tarriers at home his meaning is to hold them as it were fettered, that they have not the one foot ever ready to lift over the threshold at all hours, to seek news, and to gad here and there, and to set folk at variance and debate. 1160 before zero to the intent then, to repress all these curiosities, which are overcommon he will have women, to be occupied in looking to their houses. Furthermore, he commands them also be both gentle and subject to their husbands. And he saith purposely that they must be gentle or mild, for otherwise what will become of the love, which they owe to their husbands? How may their husbands hold them in subjection and obedience? If a woman be stubborn, and have a frantic head, how may her husband deal with her? So then if a woman intend to submit herself to the order, which nature shows her that she ought to keep, and which God commends, she must first of all come to so much reason, as to subdue her own wicked lusts, that they bring her not a hard heart, to be willful and stubborn against God's ordinance. All such gear must be laid aside, so as no pride nor self will may hinder the doing of her duty towards God and her husband. This, this I say, is the mild spirit that St. Paul speaks of here. Again, there is a subjection that must follow after. He had spoken of the love, that the women should bear to their husbands and he added their subjection also. For although women cannot love their husbands, without yielding reverence unto them yet is there somewhat more that is, that they must not be overwise, to desire to rule their husbands, but consider that their husbands are appointed to be their heads, and that they themselves must not bear rule. If men had put forth themselves of their own head to usurp that authority, it might be said that they had sought their own advantage. But seeing that God hath ordained it, and nature shows it which should there be any striving about it, yet notwithstanding it is a hard thing, as it appeareth, and specially the proof thereof shows it. Therefore let not women vex their husbands in vain, but let them show that the gospel hath done them good in that behalf, that is to wit, by yielding themselves quiet and loving, and being subject as the Lord hath commanded them. For if a woman be stubborn and hath a wicked head of her own, so as she will needs have the sovereignty and cannot be governed quietly, but will always have the forend and the staff all her other virtues will be turned into vice. For our Lord condemns it as filthiness. 1161 b 32 Wherefore let women learn to know that they cannot please God, nor have their life acceptable to Him, except they first yield unto the subjection, that St. Paul speaks of here. 
Indeed he treats not of the duty of husbands in this text nevertheless, if we understand this drift, he meant not to exempt men from the yielding of their duty to their wives, as though they had an unbridled, and measureless dominion over them St. Paul meant not so, as is to be seen by other texts. But for, as much as the matter stood not upon the numbering of all particular duties he is contented with the setting down of the examples that are contained here. And of them every man may gather what his own duty is. For, seeing he hath commanded wives to be quiet their husbands must think thus with themselves go to, God hath honored us in making us heads over our wives. But what though? Is it to the intent we should use tyranny towards them? Is it to the intent we should set our feet upon their throats as they say? No for they nevertheless are our companions. It is not said that a wife should be a slave but it is said expressly, that she is the companion of her husband's life it is said that she is as a portion of his body and of his person. And again, for as much as God hath so honored the husbands it is a double unkindness in them, if they cannot find in their hearts, to behave themselves gently towards their wives, so that they bear with them as with the weaker vessels, as St. Peter saith I Pet 3.7 that therewithal they may be linked together in such unholy friendship, as we have seen in another text to Timothy 1st Epistle. 3.2, to the Ephesians 5.28, and elsewhere Colonel 3.19. Insomuch that St. Paul shows, that if husbands abide not in good agreement with their wives, they dishonor Christ. For said he we have a looking glass of that unity, that ought to be between man and wife, in that Jesus Christ is as it were married unto us. For the holy union that is between him and us, in that we be partakers of his body, so as we be flesh of his flesh and bones of his bones, is a spiritual marriage. For look what was said of Adam and Eve, was fulfilled in our Lord Jesus Christ if 5.30. Then if a man have not regard to love his wife he shows that he never tasted what the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, nor what the gospel is. And therefore let us mark that when St. Paul directed his talk and exhortation unto the wives he meant not to lay the bridle loose in the husband's necks, to give them leave to do, what they list for they also have their rule. And so ye see wary unto we must refer all. When we once know that this doctrine is needful for us we shall never be weary of having our ears beaten with it, nor of having the remembrance thereof renewed St. Paul added that God's word be not evil spoken of. And this must be taken generally as applied to all that had been spoken of before. For his meaning in effect is, that if such as want of a Jesus Christ, and are baptized in his name, do not behave themselves wholly and incorruptly, and give good example it turns to the slander of the gospel, and all men will laugh the religion to scorn, which we profess saying see I pray you these men brag of the having of God's word, and of the having of his law, which is the rule of all perfection and in the meanwhile we see how they rush out into all naughtiness. We see there is nothing but cause of offense and lewdness in them and therefore that is a goodly law, that is a goodly reformation, who governs them after that fashion. Lo how the wicked sort will have their mouths open to rail upon God and his word and we be the cause of it, in that we live not as becomes us. Therefore let us mark, that our honest and holy conversation is as an ornament, I say, as an ornament to the gospel as he himself said in another place, and as we also have seen. Is it not a wonderful honor that God doeth unto us, when he will have his word garnished and beautified with our good manners, and by our holy and well-ruled life? For what can he find in us? Again, 
what is his word? It is his image, wherein his glory shines forth there is his majesty known it is the scepter wherewith it is his will, to govern the world to be short, the wisdom, the might, the power, the righteousness, and the goodness that is in God, do show themselves forth in his word. And how then can we beautify it? We that are as wretched frogs, crawling here beneath and dung and mire, we that are stained with so many sins and spots, can we do honor to God's word? What for that? God vouchsafes to call us to such dignity, that when we live holily, his word receives honor and estimation by it. Had we but one drop of kindness in us, ought not this to soften our hearts? And thereunto ought it not to kindle an affection and zeal in us? Or rather to ravish us wholly, to give ourselves to goodness? Therefore let us learn, that whereas it is said that God is blasphemed through our vices, and his word made subject to the reproach, and mocking of the unbelievers we be worse than guilty, and there is no excuse for us why we should not be condemned. For what shall we answer before the angels of heaven, when the image of God shall have been so derayed and spitted by reason of us? If it were said to a man, Look well about thee that thou behave thyself honestly, for if thou follow the trade that thou hast begun, thou wilt dishonor thy parents, thou wilt shame thy whole stock. If a man say I should hear thus much, although he were very far past grace, yet would he be ashamed, and it would make him say, I will not dishonor my father nor my house. And what are we on our side? But seeing that God hath printed his mark in us, and we know that his glory shines forth in his word, and that it is the doctrine of salvation, if we be still an occasion, that men blear out their tongues at it, and that it be blamed and scoffed at, and men say, it is but a fantastical religion, it is but a fantastical reformation of asses and horses, if we say I be guilty of such reproach done unto God, and of the light esteeming of his image what shall we say? And therefore seeing that our Lord will have a certain tune of bonus between the doctrine that he sets down for us, and our life let every of us learn to apply himself thereunto, let it be our whole study, and let us labor to fashion ourselves thereafter, according also as we had need, to fight by the power of God's Spirit, and not in our own strength. Truly we ought not to give ourselves to naughtiness, though God's word were not preached unto us. But here St. Paul intended to make them ashamed which misbehave themselves, thinking not that their sin is doubled, when they give men cause to dishonor God, and to slander his word. If it be despised by reason of us, although there be no witness to reprove us, yet ought it to be sufficient unto us, that nothing is hid from God. So then, although God's word were not blamed for our sakes yet ought our consciences to restrain us, and to make us walk uprightly and purely before God. Besides this, we must appear before the angels of heaven, and things that are now hidden shall be brought to light, so as our dishonesty must be laid open in the sight of heaven and earth. Seeing then that we cannot escape the knowledge of so many judges alas, ought it not to be enough, to withhold us from giving any occasion of slander against the gospel? But if the wicked have their mouths still open, and take occasion to scoff at God through our misbehavior, besides that we shall be convicted before God, and our own consciences shall be our judges, to condemn us what will become of us then? Now if we thought well upon these warnings, we should be better restrained than we be. For we see how the enemies of God's truth do nowadays lie watching and spying of us. And if the papists find any vices in us, by and by they rake abroad all our dung. And to what end? 
even to have some apparent color of railing against God in the true religion. Now then we know it well enough, God sets us here upon a scaffold, he will have us to be lightened to the end we may be seen afar off, and yet notwithstanding we forbear not to rush out into all naughtiness, and it seems that we be minded to defy God and the world. Although he tell us of it, although he cease not to cry out at us daily for it, and although he send us witnesses of his holy doctrine, to ratify it to us yet we not only make none account of it, but also go about to defame it, and to deface it in our whole life, as much as we possibly can. Is it not a detestable traitorousness that the gospel should in these days be had in such reproach through our defaults? Not only the papists seek to rail upon us, but even they that boast of the having of the gospel, are well paid, when they may find any occasion, to scoff at us and to mock us, though it be wrongfully. For so much then as we see ourselves so watched, we ought to be so much the wiser, and better advised. But what? There is nothing, that can hold us back so drunken swiftly are we in our fleshly affections. 1165 a, 38. We see well that men seek nothing else, but to gird us and although there be no cause why, yet do not men cease to speak evil of us. Now then, if we willfully give matter of misspeaking, and of backbiting us is it not all one, as if we confederated ourselves with Satan, to make men to lift up themselves against God, and to provoke as ministers, to say that the gospel ought not to be made account of? This is to be seen commonly, and would God it were not so well known. So much the more then doeth it stand us on hand, to mark well this text, where St. Paul tells us, that God's doctrine must not be blasphemed through our default according as he adds anon after, and I will join that unto this so far forth, as it concerns the doctrine. For although he mingle and interlace other matters, yet it is best to join them both together. He saith, to the intent that the adversary may be confounded, finding none evil to say of us. As touching the word adversary, it betoken him that is contrary to us. The word that he uses, signifies one that is set full but against us, or right over against us that such a one saith St. Paul may be confounded. And by that word he doeth us, to wit, that it is for our behoof, to stand upon our guard. And why? For the enemies of God's truth press upon us, and are always watching to take us in a trip, and to find some fault in us. It hath been so in all times, and it hath been God's will, to sharpen his servants by that mean. For the pagans and unbelievers have had still enough to say, that our enemies do oftentimes profit us more than our friends. And why? For our friends flatter us, they play the blinkards at our vices, they make countenance to see nothing at all, and moreover they maintain us in them, and hold always on our side, though we have an evil cause and that leads us to destruction. Contrariwise our enemies have the skill to examine our vices, and to inquire of them, and they frame our indictment for us, and that serves to warn us, that if we have any vice in us, it must be amended. If we be warned to take heed to ourselves, and the very heathen men teach us so to do, what excuse will there be for us, if we cannot put the thing in use, which is showed us by all the apostles? Now then, when as St. Paul saith, that we shall make our enemies ashamed, if they can find not fault in us he showed, that if we mind to serve God it cannot be but that men will mark us, and toot at us to the end to speak evil of us, and by that means will God quicken us up as I said before. Finally it is certain, 
that do what we can, we shall never keep ourselves from the misreport of wicked tongues. For we be sure, that the devil who is the father of lying, will stir up his ministers continually to such rage as to backbite us. And if the Son of God was not spared, what shall man be, in whom there are always too too many imperfections? If a man compare us with St. Paul, yea or with the prophets and apostles alas, we be far off from the soundness that was seen in them. For they were as angels in this world, and yet men ceased not to rail upon them, so as they were defamed and slandered by it. And what manner and ones were the apostles? Especially St. Paul above the rest, who was unblameable even, before he was converted unto Jesus Christ he had led such a life, as he seemed no more to be of the company of men, and when Jesus Christ had called him to his gospel, ye see he did so renounce himself, that he was as good as wrapped up from the earth, and ceased not to take pains for the church. It appeared that he had no regard of himself, but that he forgat himself and all his own commodities. To be short, he minded nothing but the advancing of God's kingdom, and the magnifying of Jesus Christ. And yet for all that, scaped he without reproach and backbiting? No, but he was fain to be railed at everywhere. For as he himself said he did not only bear injuries, and suffer men to rail upon him as a wicked person but also that he and such, like as he was were as the off-scourings of the world I core 4.13, and as the paunches, guts, and filth that is cast away, when men tell beasts. St. Paul uses such similitudes to show how God humbled him. And therefore it is certain, that do the best we can, we cannot stop wicked mouths, but must be subject to many wrongs and reproaches. Nevertheless, let us live in such wise, as we may appeal to God and his angels for the maintenance of our innocency, and to show that there is no cause of offense in our life. In so doing we shall follow the apostles and prophets, and be well accompanied. And in the meanwhile, though our enemies cease not to speak evil of us, yet shall they not fail to be put to the foil. And why? For our own consciences answer for our uprightness, and in the end our foes shall be convicted that they find no evil in us. True it is that they will spew out mischief enough and too much. Well, that passes and slips away, it is but a brute that men have sown, it must have full scope for a time, but in the end ye see it is but a shadow that passes and vanishes away, and that it was but a mockery before. True it is that many men seek nothing else, but to bring Christians in slander, and though they know not what is said of them, yet they spread abroad the brute everywhere, even of the things which they know not, and backbite God's children even of a certain malice and spite. Now since we see this, let us run to our safeguard which is in heaven, and in any wise let our life answer for us, let that serve to daunt the wicked sword, which backbite us so without any shame. And when they open their mouths to speak evil of us, let our good life and conversation so shut them up, as the world may see their dishonesty. Therefore when the devil stirs up his underlings in that manner to rail upon us, and to put us to shame, let us look to ourselves, that we have wherewith to repulse them, and when the malicious sword shall have sown any evil rumors and slanders of us, let it always return upon their own heads, and let the world perceive that we be innocent. That say I is the thing which we must do, yea and we must do it in such sort, as we be not turned from it, no though there be such unkindness in the world, that we be misreported of for our well-doing. Surely it will grieve a man, that when he shall have taken pain to do well, he shall have so slender recompense, 
as to be misreported and backbidden for his labor. Howbeit let us always resort to this point, that if men be so froward, as to speak evil of us when we do well, it ought to suffice us, that we have our warrant in heaven, to whom we many appeal. The prophets endured such battles as well as we. You can call me a deceiver saith Jeremiah 20.7. Then it is God, that hath deceived me go talk with him. For if I be a deceiver and a cousiner, God is so before me. Again, when Isaiah 50.6 speaks of the slanders that were spewed out against him, well saith he I must now hold up my cheeks, and be buffeted on both sides. As if he should say, I must have all the reproach in the world done to me, I must be torn in pieces, I must be a scoffing stock at all feasts and banquets, and every man must step up to be my judge, and to condemn me. Well, when men have spewed out all their spite after that sword, yet have I my warrant in heaven, and he will save me from all misreports. After the same manner must we do so, that if we see wicked men rail upon us, our own conscience must always answer for us before God, as being pure and clean from all blame, that can be laid upon us and let us not pass, though the world render us so slender a recompense, as to blame us for our well-doing, but let us be contented that God allows of us and let us never turn away from him howsoever we speed, but follow still our vocation to his glory. And when we have profited ourselves by this doctrine, let us labor to draw other folk to the same, and to the knowledge of the gospel, which God hath given us, and in the meanwhile let all such as list, to speak evil of us, be put to shame and their mouths stop spite of their teeth. Now let us fall down before that majesty of our good God, with acknowledgment of our faults, praying him to make us perceive them better than we have done, that we may fight more and more against our wicked affections, and etc. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. You are welcome to make copies and give them to those in need. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. It is likely that the sermon or book that you just listened to is also available on cassette or video, or as a printed book or booklet. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com by phone at 780-450-3730 by fax at 780-468-1096 or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue Edmonton that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N Alberta abbreviated capital A capital B Canada T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7:31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. 
There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important. When he says that God had commanded no such thing, and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.